the Bible Study Podcast, episode 803. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Philippians with the second part of chapter 3. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We left off with chapter 14, so we're going to continue on with following Paul's example. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. So jumping back to the beginning of that, all of this then, again, whenever you see the then, let's pause and see what that then is all about. And so he was talking about having no confidence in the flesh, having no confidence in the flesh and talking about the Judaizers who were trying to get everybody to be circumcised and to become Jewish and to obey the laws as if there were righteousness in the law. And Paul said, I could have done that. I was very much, very Jewish. I was following all the laws, but I consider that rubbish when it comes to compared to the, my faith in Jesus and what Jesus has done. So he says, okay, then, then we who are mature should take such a view of things. And so he is treating them as if they were mature Christians, and hopefully they are mature Christians. He certainly heard good things about their behavior since he has been there. He looks at them with joy, but he's saying, basically, if you don't think the way that I do, then God will make it clear to you and live up to that we have already attained. So don't go backwards in your faith. And then he says, join me in following my example. Live as I have been telling you that I live. Live as you see other people who live like that, who are living a faith that is consistent what they say and what they do, and living a faith that is putting Christ first. And he says, I've told you many times with tears that some people live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he does not say whether he's talking about Christians or non-Christians here. My concern is in the context of this, that he may be talking about some of us in the church, that we live as if our God is our stomach. Now, when you say your God is your stomach, what he's saying is we live for meeting our basic needs. We live for our appetites, whether they be gluttony, whether they be sexual appetites. We live because we do that because it feels good. If it feels good, do it. (laughs) which is literally one of the major philosophies at the time, Epicureanism, live it up for tomorrow you may die. And so he's saying some people live that way, whether in the church or out of the church, they, they live by their appetites. That determines what they do, not the right thing to do. They don't think about what God would have them do. They just do what feels good. And he says this in opposition to something that is maturity. 
Their glory is their shame. Now, hopefully he's talking about people outside the church, but he's saying they don't even know to be ashamed of what they're doing. Their mind is set on earthly things. Again, inside or outside the church, our minds are supposed to be set on heavenly things, on the way that God thinks. But our our citizenship is in heaven, meaning that we respond to a different authority. Even the things that are legal to do aren't necessarily the best things to do, aren't necessarily the things that please God. And we eagerly wait a savior from there. We expect God to come back in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. So eventually, when God wins, when Jesus wins, everything will be put under his authority as we are under his authority. And he also says he will transform our lowly bodies so we'll be like his glorious body. Gives us just a little view here into his understanding of heaven. He doesn't talk about clouds. He doesn't talk about harps. He doesn't talk about wings. He doesn't talk about robes. That's not the important understanding. The important understanding is being with God and being transformed. He continues on, and we're going to go into the fourth chapter here. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So he's looking for people to be, what my Bible says, closing appeal for steadfast and unity, is what Paul seems to be looking for here. He's saying, you are my brothers and sisters. You are on this journey with me. You are my siblings. We're doing this together. You who I love and long for. I just love that phrase. You who I'm love, whom I love and long for. I'm apart from my wife this weekend because I'm uh, off doing some travel stuff. And I just feel like I should call her up and say, you whom I love and long for. Just a great phrase. My joy and my crown. When he says his crown... He is going to stand before the throne of grace as one who has responsibility for how these people have done in their faith. Stand firm in the way of the Lord, dear friends. And so he encourages them again to steady their faith, to make sure that it goes forward, not backward. And then pleads with them on the behalf of these two women to be of the same mind in the Lord. So apparently there may have been some problems or he just doesn't want there to be some problems. We've certainly seen that in our churches. We've certainly seen that in the New Testament churches where there are sometimes people who are not of the same mind. Usually that comes from putting the wrong things first, screwing up our priorities and thinking some things are more important than they are. Then I think about worship style, which is certainly one of the places my church years ago, you know, got into some problems where we were introducing a new style of worship. And that is a very personal thing. And that is a very, something that's very important to people. And I understand that, but it's just a worship style. It's not our faith. And so we need to treat it as something we like, but not something that is better or worse, because we like it. So that's the thing that we can put too much emphasis sometimes. We can break community because of things that we make too important. 
Help these women because they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers. And so he's saying, these are my coworkers. These are my brothers and sisters. And so work with them. Work with them and be of one mind with them. And I think I'm going to end it there and we'll do the rest of the chapter and the rest of the book next week. But with that, we'll end the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.